0: I'm reading this morning from the first chapter of the book of Acts if you would like to follow reading of scripture Acts chapter 1 it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord just in case some of you need to be reminded of that it looks like we're not all sure that we are well we're glad to be here but it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to be in this house that God is here with us and seeks to lead us and guide us and so uh, the Dallas Cowboys aren't playing for several hours and so we can relax and uh, focus in on what God has for us. Many of you know the Steves have moved from New Orleans in the hurricane. I told uh, uh, Dolores today, it uh, might be a, uh, it's a, it's a day of decision. You've got to carefully weigh, you're going to root for the Cowboys or the Saints. And she immediately said, I'm a Saint fan. No, no, decision, no decision to be made. <laughs> I appreciate that. But we're glad that uh, we're here for a few moments to look into God's Word. Uh, the book of Acts chapter 1 familiar words to us beginning with chapter 4 just after the resurrection and for Jesus ascends to heaven verse 4 on one occasion while Jesus was eating with them the disciples he gave them this command do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days You will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taking it before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I'm especially interested in the words of verse 8 this morning, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Well, I've been speaking to you the month of September on the Holy Spirit. I've reminded us all, and myself included, that God's greatest gift to us is the gift of His love. Do you know that God loves you? He loves you and I in a way that we cannot describe. He loves you to to such an extent that, that the actions God has taken that are so significant to us all relate to His love for us. It's not God's desire that any should be lost, the Bible says fact, because of his love, God sent his only son into the world that whosoever, whosoever might believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. I'm glad to be a part of the whosoever crowd today. Amen. You might not think anybody loves you or anybody cares for you. You might not. But I want to tell you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords has a great love for you, everything about you. Because of that, God sent his son to provide a way that we could live. A life over the curse of sin and the devil. And what happened in the Garden of Eden? In a negative way, Jesus, Jesus righted as He gave His life as a sacrifice for the sins of, of, that we have committed. He paid the price for us. He endured the penalty. He enabled us to be saved from the damnation of sin. But God didn't just stop there with the, providing His Son to give us a way to, to live for Him God went one step further, and God sent the Holy Spirit to live within our hearts to guide us every step of the way. Great to have an experience with God if you've never knelt at an altar or prayer somewhere and invited Jesus into your heart. If you've never repented of your sins, if you've never confessed your sins and, and asked Jesus to come, to come into your life. That is your greatest need. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts and conceive in our minds that He is Lord, He will come into our life and we begin to live for Him. But there's a lot of life that's lived on the other side of an experience of salvation. If you've never been saved, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never been converted, if you've, however you want to describe it, if, you, if you've never received the gift of God's Son today, it is your greatest need. And I hope that you will not let another day pass even in this service before you make Jesus Lord of your life. But God didn't stop there. He sent the Holy Spirit then to guide us on the other side of an altar to help us live faithfully and rightly with Him. Uh, The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will testify and help us to remember the words of Jesus the, the Holy Spirit will convict our, uh, the world of, of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit lives within inside of us to tell us what is right and wrong. The Holy Spirit brings to mind when we have, when we have sinned. And the Holy Spirit makes sure we, we stay in good uh, communication with God to know what we should do and shouldn't do. God's gift of the Holy Spirit is something that we have a hard time comprehending. And explaining. I want to remind you again, as I've said these Sundays, our church, our denomination, our theological persuasion believe that there is but one God who has revealed himself in three different ways God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, theologically, a triune God, one God who has revealed himself in three ways. A lady asked me one time, a lady that attended church many years asked me a question that kind of took me by surprise. She said, who is this Holy Spirit? And I had to go back to the truth of the scripture and say the Holy Spirit is God. He is holy and he is a spirit and we identify him by those two attributes. But the Holy Spirit is God himself. While Jesus was with men in a physical context, seeks to live inside of men and women to give us advice and direction and guidance, and to help us. And folks, we are dependent, so dependent upon God's Holy Spirit to lead us in the way that we should go. The Holy Spirit gives us life and direction. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is our greatest need. But I want to remind you again this morning that the great, the great characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that He gives His people power, power to live rightly, power to live effectively for God, power to be the people God would have us to be. The Holy Spirit came. Jesus said to these men, you will receive power when He comes on you. In fact, there's greater uh, demonstration of the transformational power of the Holy Spirit than the disciples themselves. Just 40 days or so before these events, we read in the book of Acts, these disciples, this Now 11 men, uh, this band of disciples, had a hard time being consistent in their commitment to God. They committed very deep things, but they were short on the follow-through. They promised God they would go to to prison with Him. They They would go to death with Him. They promised Him, Jesus, they would be with Him all through His life in ministry. But when the real test came, they failed miserably. In fact, those men that promised they would be with Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, fled, and ran for their lives, one man, the leading man of the disciples, the the, the, the disciple Peter, couldn't even admit that he knew Jesus three times, the Bible says, even the last time a slave girl said, you are one of those who was with him, your speech gives you away. And Peter cursed at her and and said, absolutely, have I not been one of those men? And yet, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we see this same group of people when the Holy Spirit came stepping out in powerful testimony to God. In fact, Peter stood out on the front porch after the Holy Spirit fell. A mighty rushing wind went through that city. There appeared cloven tongues like as a fire that set on the, on all of the disciples. They began to speak in languages they did not know when the Holy Spirit came. Power was upon those men and the very men that denied knowing Jesus stood out and an incredibly powerful witness, began to testify about Jesus, began to preach about Jesus, began to tell the very people who killed Jesus what they had done with great power and authority and assurance they were a powerful force for God. And in fact, they go on in chapter 3 and begin to heal the man In chapter 4, they're arrested before the authorities and brought in and said, By what name do you do these powerful things? And with great assurance they said, In the name of Jesus, who you crucified, whom God resurrected from the dead. And these authorities told Peter not to talk anymore about this man called Jesus. And this shy, backwards, commitment-failing person said to these men, Sir, we cannot help, we cannot help but tell what God has done for us. Oh, that the church today would get such a fire in them and get such a power in them that our lives became a living testimony and we could not help but tell and let people know what God has done in our lives, what has changed in the lives of these men who prior to the arrest of Jesus were not very stable. And 40 days later on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later or so when it all shakes out, they are men of incredible strength and power and example what took place and what changed it is the power of God's Holy Spirit that came upon them that transformed their lives I'm amazed at Jesus last words to these disciples for lack of clarity and simplicity I would remind you in the book of Matthew Jesus concludes with a couple of famous verses He said to these disciples, I'm going to go away after I'm gone. I I want you to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them, teach them about me, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. These disciples that couldn't even admit they knew Jesus. How in the world would they do that? Jesus said to those disciples that had failed and ran away, I want you to go into all the world and teach and preach and tell others about me. On this day that we read about in the book of Acts Jesus must have scared them in some way or or confused them or caused some concern. For Jesus said, "I want you to go into all to go to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in fact to the ends of the world." These disciples that had failed Jesus, these disciples that had not been strong in their faith and in their belief, these disciples that ran and hid when life got tough and Jesus was arrested. Jesus tells, I want you to go into Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea. And in fact, to the ends of the earth, they must have thought, how in the world was this ever going to happen? I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's that's where the religious Jews were. I want you to, I want you to be my witnesses in Judea. That's where, that's where everyday Jewish persons live. I want you to be my witnesses in Samaria. That's the other side of the track where the half-breeds live. They're half-Jewish and half-not-Jewish. And into the ends of the earth. By the way, that's still God's direction for you and I, you know. We are to be His witnesses in our neighborhood We are to be his powerful witnesses in our jobs, in our classrooms, in in our workplace, in our homes, in in all of life. How in the world could they do that? But my, what a transformation has taken place between Jesus' resurrection and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came with his power to emblazon these men and transform their lives and to help them as they endeavored to do, carry out what Jesus said they should do. Uh, A man named Jerry Vines, Dr. Jerry Vines, a leading preacher of yesteryears, has said the average Christian and the average church are stuck between Calvary and Pentecost. They've been to Calvary for pardon, but they've not been to Pentecost for power. I want to remind you this morning that the greatest need you and I have as church members and as Christians is that we might let the power of the Holy Spirit come and transform our lives to make us what what God wants us to be. It does not mean that everybody's going to be a preacher. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to stand out on their front porch and, and deliver a sermon to the neighborhood and all are going to get saved. It doesn't mean that we're going to replicate what Peter did. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, we are transformed into being the person God would have us to be. I want to say again, unless I'm uh, uh, not uh, clear, when a person comes to receive Christ as his Savior, God imparts His Holy Spirit to them. And in fact, at that moment, God gives all of the Holy Spirit to a person He is ever going to give. God does not hold the Holy Spirit out in measured quantities. And God doesn't say, if you do this, I'll give you a little more. And if you do that, I'll give you a little more. And if you're really a good boy at Christmas time, I'll give you a little bit more. God gives all of His Holy Spirit to us, to the believer at the point of their conversion. The problem is the Holy Spirit does not have all of us. And our goal in life as maturing Christians is to give more of ourselves in control to God's Spirit so we live God's way, we, we, we act God's way, we make decisions God's way and not our way. The greatest battle we face as Christians is we're going to do our own thing or we're going to do God's thing. And as we give ourselves more and more to God's Holy Spirit, we find a life of power to take over how the church today needs a power, the transforming power of God's Holy Spirit, so we don't have to be weak in the face of temptation. Listen, God has enough power for you and I to be able to stay true to Him in the midst of great temptation. Amen. You don't have to give in to the latest craze. You don't have to give in to those things that have held you and I captives that are not of God. You don't have to succumb to addictions and All kinds of things that lead us down the wrong road. God has the power to help us live a life of victory. And the coming of the Holy Spirit and the giving of ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit is transformational. In His power makes us what He wants us to be. And the greatest challenge the believer faces is who's going to control my life life. Jesus said it a number of ways but he essentially said you can't go your own way and go my way. You're going to have to choose between one of the two and I found in my life the greatest struggle and problem that I have is when I've tried to do what I think I need to do and not what God has told me I should do. Do you pray about big decisions? Do you, do you pray and do you do what God leads you to do? Do you? I've tried to, told you I've tried to invoke the 24 hour rule in my life. Big decisions. This is what I want to do. This is what I think I ought to do. This is all the right things. This is what I want to do. But but I'm going to wait just a minute and ask and consult God, the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, there's been a few times in life that God said, don't do this, and I did it anyway. I didn't lose my soul at that point. But boy, I sure created an incredible mess that sometimes takes a long time to get out of. There have been other times when God has said no to this thing that I really wanted to do, and and, and, and I obeyed God and honored Him. And I'll tell you, life, in the days and months ahead, proved the value of knowing that God knew what He was talking about. It saved many heartaches and heartbreaks along the way. Who controls your life? The Holy Spirit brings the power to transform, to help us give ourselves more fully to Him so that the Holy Spirit can be in control. The church today... needs to be led by Spirit-controlled and Spirit-directed men and women who have let God's power through the Holy Spirit and work of the Holy Spirit transform our lives. And folks, we're missing out on living the way God would have us to live if we don't have the power of God's Holy Spirit as an active person in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings great transformation. And living under the control of God it's evident in these disciples, they were scared they, before, before the Holy Spirit came. They were shy. They were, they were backwards and bashful. They, were, they made great commitments they couldn't keep. They made great pledges to God they could not hold up to. They committed in services like this and great services that they came in contact with. They, they committed many things to God, but they couldn't follow through. You ever done that in your life? You ever made a pledge to God that when the test came, you couldn't back up? You ever promised God you'd do this and that and had trouble doing it? I think we all have. The disciples were weak and shy and not consistent before the coming of the Holy Spirit. But they had enough sense to know. They had enough sense to do what God told them to do. They went to Jerusalem to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that power transformed their lives. And although Peter did not uh, have the ability to admit that he knew Jesus on the night Jesus was arrested, from the day of Pentecost on, Peter lived a forceful life for God in the midst of great opposition. In fact, he, at times he praised God when, when the authorities came after him. He praised God when he was persecuted because he was living so true to God that, that it caught the attention of the enemies. In fact, Peter, at the end of his life, was crucified, trying to be in the same manner as Christ did, but deeming himself not to be worthy. Do you remember how Peter was crucified? Peter said, I don't, I don't deserve to be crucified like the Lord Jesus, and that he asked if he could be crucified upside down, giving his life for God as a powerful testimony. It had to be the power of the Holy Spirit that came in to transform his life and how we need life's, uh, to a life transformation as well so that we can be stronger so that we can be more victorious, so that we can make right decisions, so we can let God direct our lives. We pray and ask God to direct our lives. How does that happen? It is through God's Holy Spirit, working in our conscience, working and speaking to us from reading the Bible, speaking to us in our inward self through times of prayer. Uh, Listen, folks, if you ask God, He will answer. If you trust God and ask God what you should do, He will tell you. It's a matter of letting God control our lives. And the power killer that we often face is that we don't live God's way. We try to live our way and do our own thing. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And that power will give you the ability to live. And it transformed their lives. I pray that it would transform our lives as well. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 12, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. How transformation is so needed and needed a great life change. God the Spirit, God the Spirit living within is still our great need today. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of yesteryear said, you might, as well, you might as well try to hear with no ears or breathe with no lungs as to try to live the Christian life without the power of God, the Holy Spirit, living within you. In some places in Scripture, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the definitions, uh, the English translation of the word used for "fill," it really is dominated. We should be dominated by the Holy Spirit. Our lives should be so governed by and dominated by God's Holy Spirit that we live and we act in relation to God's will for our lives. That's why praying every day is so important. That's why reading the Bible every day is so important. That's why beginning each day with a prayer of commitment to God, this day I want to give to you, and I want your Holy Spirit to guide my life this day. Listen, folks, if we trust God, He will not lead us where we shouldn't go. He will not lead us where He does not go Himself. He will not lead us down a bad road or a wrong road or lead us to destruction. He knows what we need every day. And when we commit the day to Him, He is there to guide us every step of the way. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, the Bible shows us that. Jesus even said, if you follow me, it's going to be harder on you in some ways. But the great miracle of God's presence in our lives is that no matter what we face, He is there with us. No matter what people are doing to us, He is there with us. No matter how strong the test is, or how crazy the day is, or whatever you might describe in in your world, no matter what happens, He is there to lead us and guide us through. He lives with inside our hearts. He indwells us and gives us power to live and make great decisions. There have been a few times in my life, I wish I could tell you that they're so personal, that there have been times that I I felt like I should do this, and God said, don't. And people around said, why don't you do this? And The only answer I could give was, I thought, was a weak one in their minds because the Lord said, don't do this. It has played out time and time and time again that not to act was, was the right thing to do. It was the right thing for God to work in my life. It was, no matter what everybody else thought, it was the right thing for me to honor God and be careful as I let Him guide my life. I just suffice to say that the Holy Spirit at work is the greatest need in our world today. It is the greatest need in God's church today. It is the greatest need in our lives today. Jesus said when He was going away after He was crucified in the midst of a scared group of people who were so glad He had come back into their lives, Jesus said, I'm about to leave. But but don't, don't be too afraid about that. Because if I don't leave, He won't come. But if I leave, I will ask the Father to send you another comforter who will be your guide who won't just be with you physically, he will live inside of you. And the, He, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. And He, the Holy Spirit, will re- cause you to remember my words, for He will glorify me. And He, the Holy Spirit, will show you what's right and what's wrong in every single situation. The miracle of God living within our heart is... He's a tailor-made God for each one of us in the fact that He deals with us with our spiritual knowledge and ability. And while you might not be a mature Christian or while you might have served God all your life, the Holy Spirit meets us where we are and challenges us to continue growing and to uh, continue following Him. God knew what we needed. He loves us so much He sent His Son to give us pardon and victory over sin. Amen. Thank the Lord for victory over sin. But he didn't stop there. He, he went on to give himself, God the Holy Spirit, to be our daily guide in all of life. I challenge you this week to trust the Holy Spirit like you've never trusted him before. I challenge you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you every day and to trust him. I challenge you to receive the power for living. God has for us. Listen, folks, Almighty God has not called us to live a weak life. And Almighty God is not, is not a God who's who's unable to help us live victoriously. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords living inside all of us gives us the power we need to live a victorious life, an abundant life, a life of excellence, an exciting life with Him. So that we can be not only what we want to be, we can be more than we ever thought we could be in Him. He wants to do abundantly above that which we may ask and seek. And it happens through God's Holy Spirit living in our lives. He turned a weak bunch of people into a powerful force for Him. The early church was born... The early church was pastored. The early church was led by this same group of people that had so miserably failed Jesus. The difference was they had been changed from within because of the power of God's Holy Spirit. Would you let him transform your life today? It's, the, it's our greatest need. I close with a, with a well-known story I love to tell about this Swedish scientist back in the 1800s. Uh, who uh, who, in the laboratory, developed some pretty unique things. He uh, he developed some chemical compounds that that I would say are more uh, cosmetic related, lotions and creams that help the skin. And he he developed some things medically that gave doctors an advancement in treating disease. He he was so smart and so blessed by God that his 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 autobi- his biographies say that he helped the good of mankind. I'll tell you, there are very few people that had that said about them and their vocation, that their, their contribution to life was that they helped all of mankind, but none of that is what made Albert Nobel famous. Anybody remember? Albert Nobel invented the chemical compounds to make dynamite, and the world beat a path to his door it was not though the it was not people trying to build roads and railroads and all those kind of things through 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 solid rock or through mountains that came and bought it was not mining companies that came to try to get the precious resources out of the earth but those who made albert nobel rich were dictators and governments and tyrants who used his invention to uh, to 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 kill people to uh, create submission by fear to overtake weaker countries and settings. And in fact, it was those who used dynamite in a negative way that, that made Albert Nobel one of the richest men in the world during his lifetime. One day, the story says at the edge of town, in his factory where they were making dynamite, there was something, something happened, something went wrong, and the plant blew up and killed a bunch of people working there, including Albert's brother. Well when the newspaper came out Albert was quick to read the story and the reporting on the on the explosion of his dynamite factory thinking he would see something about his brother the paper made a mistake imagine that 1800 the newspaper made a mistake and the newspaper instead of printing an obituary for Albert Nobel's brother they printed the obituary for Albert Nobel and he read his own uh, he read the summary of his own life The obituary did not contain all the great things he had done for society. It did not contain his his wisdom and his ability to, to better mankind. The obituary was focused at a very negative context, that it was his invention that caused the death and destruction of countless thousands of people and, in fact, referred to him almost as a doctor of death. And it shook Albert Nobel. It shook him to the core of his being. He didn't want to be remembered by that. And over the course of the next few weeks, as he prayed and as he sought God, Albert decided he had a chance to transform his life. And so he laid aside his great wealth, and he spent the rest of his life in causes of peace. And in fact, he began to award people a a monetary prize for their contribution to world peace. And way back in the 1800s, the Nobel Peace Prize came in existence from the wealth that Albert had accumulated and set aside. What an opportunity he had to transform his life. And when he did pass away, the obituary was very different and talked about all the great things he has done. I've read one report that said he's the only man that we know of that became famous and ever had a chance to, have to see life transformation. And I could not help but think that's wrong. For I know a group of people who have been able to see transformation in their life. It is those people that yield themselves to God and His Holy Spirit to let change happen for God's, our good and God's glory. I challenge you this morning and this week to so seek the power of God's Holy Spirit that we let a revolutionary change take place and transform our lives to be the men and women God would have us to be. God likely will not call you to be a preacher. But if he does, you will be a powerful one. But God might call you to be a Christian on your job and a Christian in your neighborhood and a Christian at school. And God might call you to take a stand for what's right. But living in the power of the Holy Spirit is the only way to live. The only way we'll overcome the wiles of the devil. And God help every one of us to so embrace his gifts that we don't just let him save us. We let him indwell our hearts and take control of our lives and give us power. We need to live victoriously for him. And it's all possible because of the great love of God. And I say praise God for his gift of God's, the Holy Spirit, to live within our hearts and lives. And may what happened to the disciples in the era of transformation happen to every one of us. And we say thank the Lord for giving us what we need to live faithfully for him. And all God's people say amen together. Would you say that? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we are thankful for being in your house today. We're thankful for the truth of your scripture. Truth you have for us that's revealed in your scripture. Lord, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that seeks to be my guide. I'm so so humble that you've not just set me on a path to live and left me to figure out how to go on my own. I'm so thankful that you, not only do you call me, but you fill my life. And as I let you control my life, you give me the direction every day that I can live victoriously for you. May it happen in our church, may it happen in all of our lives. We love you today and we're thankful for your great goodness. We're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us to live in your power. We ask these things in your great name, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen.